You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. The moderator is away, so the pastors will play. My name is Darren Entz, and I'm filling in for Rob Blossie, our normal moderator. He's up in the mountains playing like a weird Coloradan. Also with me is our lead pastor, Drew Tarwater. How's it going, Drew? How are you feeling? It's pretty good, man. Feeling good. It's weird not having a host. I guess yeah, you I and I just have to expound our theological right. knowledge or speculations. <laughs> without know, Rob, Rob. Yeah, Rob keeps us grounded and not, <laughs> so we don't go, go crazy off the rails with weird things. Although I try to keep us from speculating. So no, you do a good job. We each have our part. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. So uh, this past uh, Sunday, Drew was away at Mosaic uh, preaching. Uh, how was that? It was good. Did they yeah. like you? Do you like them? I didn't. No tomatoes. No, okay, no tomatoes. <laughs> limited booze from from the crowd. So yeah, it seemed to go pretty pretty well. You know, based on my standards. Yeah. 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 Well, we had a uh, we had Ron. Uh, Pastor Ron, Elder Ron, whatever we want to call him, he was given our sermon, uh, and he preached his sermon on the Sermon on the Mount uh, that Jesus has in Matthew uh, five through seven, and he concentrated on on, on Matthew chapter five. He kind of jumped her into the le- latter half, but there's so much here uh, for us to talk about. I, I wasn't here when we preached the whole thing. I was kind of on the on the latter half about yeah. two years ago. We had, you said we had four. Sermon series? Yeah, so it was in 2020. On the, the, pa- on the It was the series we did right after the pandemic hit, mm. you know, and it, the world felt upside down. And so we did um, a series called Upside Down to talk through the Beatitudes. And then we broke it up. Basically, we did, um, you know, it was about a year. It took us about a year with some breaks mm-hmm. to go through Summer in the Psalms, but to dive into those three chapters in Matthew. And I think the Sermon on the Mount just, it's, it's my favorite sermon of Jesus. It's probably the most famous sermon of Jesus. Yeah, definitely. And then also, it's fantastic because it brings in. I mean, if you want to know what G, what the kingdom of heaven looks like to follow Jesus, you don't have to read all four gospels to get it. Like you should read all four mm-hmm. gospels to get it, but you can read the Sermon on the Mount and get a real good taste of what Jesus is calling us to be as his followers. Yeah, and you you mentioned upside down. That's that's a really great way of of like. Describing the Beatitudes because it, it's so so different, and and one of Ron's things that he said, one of my favorite things he said was was living the way God wants us to, uh, usually contradicts the way the world lives, and and that's what Jesus does in the Beatitudes here, right? He he right. just talks about all these um, different things like the upside downness of the kingdom, like the, those who are spiritually humble are the mm-hmm. ones who are exalted. Like that's, it's so backwards the yeah. way that, that he wants us to live. Right. Talks about, you know, those that are, you know, who mourn, right. Who see their sin, who see the sin in the world, they'll be comforted. Talks about like blessed are the meek, right? Like the, those that aren't boastful and proud. Well, we live in a world where the, the, the proud, you know, they're the ones that seem to get all the accolades, but Jesus mm-hmm. is saying, no, the kingdom of heaven is actually for those who recognize their spiritual poverty and who right, see like, sin. Like kings in the past have risen and fallen hard, right? Right. Like all, all, you think about even the kingdoms of the Bible, like Israel became pretty proud and haughty, and they yeah. fell. Egypt, Babylon, right. Assyria, 
Rome, like we knew what happened to them. Yeah. I mean, over and over again, you see that. And then Jesus says, well, actually my kingdom is full of humble people yeah. who, 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 you know, don't try to take power for themselves, who are hungry for what's right, where most kingdoms are full of people who are hungry for power, yeah. you know, and land and, and all these things. So yeah. it's, it's just this beautiful picture of what Jesus upside, upside down kingdom looks like, which is actually when you, when you get to how you live this out, it's what it looks like to live right side up. Yeah, because he turns it upside down on its head, and then then he brings it back to to where it should be. Uh, like you know, Ron, another thing Ron said was living in the kingdom doesn't start someday, but it starts today. Right. Which yeah, as soon as we put our faith in Jesus, you know, we're, we're given the Spirit to live in a different way, and and that's what he talks about. So uh, a, a question that I have for you, Drew, is um, we get a, a similar type of sermon in Luke. Luke mm-hmm. chapter 6, 17 through 49. It's generally called the Sermon on the Plain. Right. Because like, it says he goes to a, a, a level place, is what the NIV says. Yeah. Whereas in Matthew, he's up on a, on a mount or on a hill, on a tall place. So what, like, what's going on here? Are they the same? What do you think? So, what are scholars saying? Yeah. From most of the commentaries and scholarly um, you know, discussions I've read on this, is that this sermon that Jesus gave, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the one we get in Matthew, he's, you know, he's sitting on a, on a hillside near the Sea of Galilee and people are gathered around him. Um, and then the one in Luke, you know, there's some differences. There's a couple of little differences, mm-hmm. right? When he talks about blessed are the, you know, are the poor. As far as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes go, themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, in Matthew 5, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. In Luke, he just says, blessed are the poor, right? And so, you, you know, you kind of wonder, are these two different accounts of the same sermon? But what I think is really cool is most of these, you know, most of the scholars that would speak on this would say, this is probably the same sermon Jesus would give all the time. Mm-hmm. So the disciples, this wasn't a one-time thing. You know, they, Jesus would give this same sermon every town he went to, right? Yeah. It just gets captured for us in Matthew 5 and then here in Luke 6. And so, but he might tweak it a little bit, just like you go to a concert and Slash might play a little different solo, right? <laughs> on, you know, Sweet Child of Mine. Jesus at one time, we talked about the blessed are the poor in spirit, but in Luke, there may have been a context where he's talking more about blessing, you know, are the people who care for the poor mm-hmm. or blessed are you when you're poor? Cause God's going to, going to help you. So, you know, it's, I think it's the same sermon that Jesus gives, but sometimes he may make little tweaks to what he says. Mm-hmm. And so Luke and I think Matthew help complement each other by giving us the full scope of what Jesus teaches. Yeah. So, so my favorite one is obviously the sermon on the plane. Because I'm from the Great Plains. Right, you're from Kansas. Like, get the sermon for flatlanders out there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why people in Colorado love the Sermon on the Mount, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, so the, the option you talked about it is my favorite too, where there are common teachings of Jesus given multiple times and just constructed, uh, captured by these two different authors. Um, uh, some people say that they are two separate sermons. Um, of course, there are similarities, but one one is short. Like, uh, But obviously, Jesus taught on a mountain, on a hill somewhere sometime. Right. And he also probably taught on a flat place. Like right. there are both of these topographies yeah. in ancient Israel. And he probably did it lots of times in both contexts. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's like biographers will, will capture different things and emphasize different things for their own purposes, for their own audience. So yeah, I like that too. Um, yeah. Another, another thing, and we talked about this multiple times on the podcast is uh, specifically in Matthew, uh, Matthew, as he's writing to this Jewish audience, he's, he, he's crafting his story so that a Jew will see Jesus as 
as within the tradition of all of these people who came before him. So mm-hmm. we, we start out with the genealogy showing that he's in the line of, of King David, that he is the new king coming to reign, and, and the wise men come and worship him. We see that he's the new Abraham who forms a, a 12 a disciple group of people who become the new Israel. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days, just like the Israelites did after um, going through their Red Sea episode. And Jesus goes into the wilderness after he was baptized in the Jordan River. And so now we have uh, Jesus up on a mountain giving a new type of law to the new people he has formed, which is very much like Moses at Mount Sinai. And right. so, and he even quotes some of those Old Testament laws. You've heard it said, such and such, but I say to you, this is is how the, the new kingdom really is. Like that, this is the secret behind the law, um, and and how to truly live in in the kingdom of of heaven right now. Right. Yeah. What I love about the Gospels is just the different flavors you do get. You know, in Matthew, yeah, you have him writing to a, a you know a Jewish audience, and and he's um, you know God uses Matthew to to be able to speak to those Jews and say, no, this is the Messiah. This is the one that we said was going to come. And like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the temptations, mm-hmm. like Jesus comes, he's in the wilderness, just like Israel's in the wilderness. And he's actually, those temptations were the same temptations that Israel failed at, right? They doubted God. They mm-hmm. d- doubted God's plan. They tested God. So Jesus ultimately fulfilled all the temptations that Israel failed in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And, and that works at a second level, too, because it's the new Adam. Right. Like he's the one who, who passed. He, Adam failed yeah. that, that first test right. with, with the fruit. So there's yeah. so many layers. And I think that's the beautiful thing as Christians, as we read and get in God's word, the more we unfold it, the more we realize. I mean, you know, for so long, we, you know, you, you can read the Gospels and not pick up on some of these threads. And then 20 years later, you start to see, wow, Jesus, you know, Matthew's writing to a, Je- a Jewish audience. Luke's writing to a Gentile audience. You know, he's he's writing to um, most excellent Theopolis, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to, to help explain who this, this Messiah is to a bunch of Gentile, Greek and Roman people who really don't know all of these old, you know, um, scriptural references. So, so Matthew's going to be packed with more, you know, more um, prophecy mm-hmm. than, than Luke is. There's some in Luke for sure. Yeah. But and, and you, you read things in Luke that explain like geographical locations or explain customs. And that, that's the biggest giveaway that these people are not in Palestine and they're right. m- most likely not Jewish. Right. Not that, that people um, like th- there's the diaspora, the dispersed Jews mm-hmm. um, who, who might know some of these things, but they still need a bit of explaining. Yeah. That's well. a great point. Luke talks about Quirinius and you know, who's the governor of Syria. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, chances are Peter and James they had no idea who Quirinius was, right? <laughs> Matthew's not talking about Quirinius. So I think you're right. It, there's just this, you know, a little bit of a different flavor. And then you get John's account, right? The beautiful picture of John. And John takes it off course and doesn't really cover a lot that yep. Mark and Luke talk about and Matthew do. Um, so it's just beautiful. But you're right. I think Matthew does a great job of picture, of showing us you know, how Jesus came and established this, these new people and the new law, right? The new Torah, right? And I love how, you know, Jesus is talking. He says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it, right? Not one iota of the law is going to go away, but I've met it for you. And I think then the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus telling us, okay, based on this, now here's how you should live your life. Yeah, let's dive in, into that scripture you just quoted there, Matthew 5, like 17 through through 20, mm-hmm. specifically verse 20. Uh, it, this one's tough. 
Um, like what is he saying here? It says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And this is, you know, one of the introductory statements. It's still kind of in the, it's, it's like the first part of the body of the sermon, maybe. Um, what, what does he, what does he mean here? Is he saying that like, you have to be more righteous than the most righteous person, you know? to get into heaven it's a challenging verse when you just read it like that because then you go in and the next thing he does is he talks about anger lust divorce oaths retaliation and loving your enemies right which are all like top-notch debates Debates. in the first century they're huge huge even today for sure right right these are big things and he's talking about well you know this is how it was talked about in the old testament mosaic law but i tell you and i think one of the main things jesus says here is he's helping us see that we we have a habit as people thinking that if we can learn to follow the rules, then then we've got it figured out. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. we get prideful and boastful. And so Jesus elevates it a whole nother level. You know, he talks about, man, yeah, you've heard it said this about anger, don't murder. But if you're angry with somebody, like you've broken the law. Yeah, right? the, the percentage of people who have murdered someone yeah. is very, very low. Right. Like you and I haven't murdered someone as, far as, God. I, as far as I know. Praise yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, well, oh, good job. Good job. Congratulations. Yeah, right. Like, well, Jesus is like, Hang on, like, are are you angry with yeah. someone all the time? Have you ever been angry with with someone? It's like, um, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Well, then you yeah. committed murder in your heart, and so Jesus, I think, what he's doing here is he's he's showing us that it's not enough to keep the law like the scribes and the Pharisees did, but you have to be righteous above that. Which, when you break it down, it's like reading the Ten Commandments. You can't be, and so what he's doing us, he was doing it in kind of a circular way, is saying that's why you need the righteousness of God that only I can give. Mm-hmm. And so like your righteousness must be better than this, than, than theirs. Well, how do I get that righteousness, Darren? Well, it's because you get the imputed righteousness of Jesus when you say yes mm-hmm. to Jesus and, and, and put your faith in him. Right. When, when you put your faith in Jesus, you talk about the righteousness of God. It's not our righteousness, mm-hmm. but it's, it's our weak ability to, to put our faith and trust in God. And then there, there's some kind of like Paul talks about, the transaction that happens between when we come into Christ, our sin is gone. Right. And he looks at us and he only sees the righteousness of Jesus of himself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's that beautiful picture of grace that, you know, it's through our faith, but God's grace that saves us, you know? And so when we say yes to Jesus, you know, it, it, imagine our account is full of the debt of sin, but Jesus imputes us with, with his righteousness, which wipes us away clean. And so we find ourselves in this, in this perfect, beautiful place uh, where it's Jesus' righteousness and not our own. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I love about the Sermon on the Mount is he just, he raises the bar on holiness to a point where we all say, there's no way I can live like this, Jesus. And that's when Jesus says, yep, I know. Right. <laughs> it's me that does it for you. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, Jesus lives like, like, like an ancient Near East king would give a law to his people and then he would be the imperfect embodiment of that. And so Jesus, it, it, he's putting himself again in, in, in the line of a king, like that of David or Solomon, who is the perfect embodiment of, the, of this law. He is able to do it. Right. And then we, th- there's this tension here that we are, because of the Holy Spirit, we're given that, we do have this expectation where we're supposed to live that way. And, right. and so it's like, be, be perfect at the end of chapter five, as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm, that yeah. is an expectation for us. And, and sometimes we say, like, I preached a sermon, I think it was when we were in, in that series of, of Right Side Up. 
And I talked about the, the, the word behind perfect in the Greek is teleos. It means it could mean like mature or complete, complete. or whole. Yeah. And, and I talked about like our, our life is supposed to be a constant march toward maturity, but it, it, it is perfection. Our life is supposed to head that way. So, right. so yeah. Right. Okay. So there, there's a, I don't know if it, the right word is like a bone I want to pick, but, but it's, <laughs> it's an interesting, it, because of, of my heritage and, and how I was brought up in the Mennonite world. Um, if you know anything about Mennonites, it, uh, a great way, cause when I was talking with Drew about, you know, coming on staff here, uh, he asked one of his buddies like, so what is a Mennonite? And well, what's a Mennonite brethren? And and your buddy said basically a Baptists who are pacifists. Yeah, pacifist Baptists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so as as a and I would still consider myself in, in that in that realm. Um, you know, if if I'd be drafted into war, I, I would honestly have a tough time being able to pick up a gun and, and with the intent of killing someone, regardless sure. of, of who they were. So that that's that's still something that I have, I would have to you know struggle with. Would that happen? But as far as a, a, a scriptural interpretation of part of this section. Um, we Mennonites really look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount as the like the crown jewel of Jesus' teaching, and because there's so much love and so much uh, stuff about you know loving your enemies and not fighting against them, that this is one place that we draw from for for those beliefs about um, not killing anyone. But um, whereas pacifism used to be kind of a passive like n- like non-aggression, um, that's really changed in the past. A couple decades with with some some eye-opening cultural analysis of what Matthew 5 38 through 42 has behind it so this is the whole famous like an eye for an eye you've heard it said eye right. for eye, tooth for tooth. tooth yeah but I tell you turn the other cheek right. someone stops you yeah so I'm, I'm gonna dive into it and, and give you some Mennonite interpretations yeah, and, get it. and see what you think it. so here we go so when um, in the ancient world when you would slap someone, it was a sign of disrespect to them, and it was often as like a, a, a higher status person to a lower status person. So think master-slave, think benefactor mm-hmm. and, and patron-client relationships, those kinds of things. And so if, if I'm, I'm looking right now at Drew, if I slap him, the, the normal way was a backhand, so, and I would do it with my right hand. So if I reach around, you're gonna, you might have to try this out with someone if you're listening to this. Like go and try and backhand someone with your right hand. You notice that it's gonna, it, you're going to backhand them on their right cheek. Yeah. Okay. So now if you would turn so I can hit the other cheek, you're going to turn and look to your right, which means I can't, I can't backhand you again with my right hand. It has to be open hand, which is like that, that's a shameful thing in ancient Near East culture. Right. Okay. Now if I backhand with my left hand, your left hand was not used for things because that's the one you used because you didn't have toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And so you can't... <laughs> that was a dishonorable hand. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's extremely... Like, what, what you do when you're turning your other cheek is you're saying, did you really mean that? Would you like to try this again? Like, come on, get, get more of your anger out. But yeah. to, in order to do that, they're going to have to disrespect you at another level. And it's, it's giving them a chance, one to stop disrespecting you or two, take it to a level that would be shameful for them. So you're taking back control in that situation when, when you turn the other cheek, right? You're, you're not allowing them to have the final word in a sense. So in, in the next one, if someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. In, in a court of law, um, if all you have on the clothes on your, are the clothes on your back, you're really, really poor. Right. Mm-hmm. So th- this is, again, a-, a level of abuse between a person of higher status and someone of lower status. If someone of higher status takes you to court and sues you for the clothes off your back, 
Like, what are they doing? So yeah. that they're going to sue you for your cloak, right. and you're only going to have a shirt. You're only going to have a tunic. You might as well just strip off and hand that to them as well. And showing nakedness mm-hmm. is extremely shame- shameful as well. Right. And by doing that, you're showing the person who's suing you what they are doing to you. Exactly. Like, this, this is all I have, bro. Like, yeah. you might as well just take all my clothes. And right. here I am naked. Look at what you've done to me. Yep. So it's, it's, it's another thing. Of, uh, it's, it's more like active nonviolent resistance is what it is. So let's go to the last one. This is probably one of the more common ones that people may have heard of. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Um, in, in Roman culture, it was legal for a Roman soldier to force a non-Roman citizen to carry their pack like they're just lazy or whatever. I need strength to fight my battle at the end of the day. And so here, carry this up to a mile. Right. Well, Jesus says, hey, if someone does this to you, go two miles. Well, a Roman soldier could be persecuted if this person carried their pack longer than a mile. Mm-hmm. And so again, this soldier is is, is being put on, on the defensive because like, wait, that this person, no, you, you, you can't stop, stop. I'm going to get persecuted for this. And right. so it's again, a chance for that other person who is, who's doing something that's mean to shame you. It's kind of putting the shame back on them. Yeah. And so it's, it's not just like completely passive, like, oh, just love and be nice and you know, oh, let, let people roll over you and hit you as much as you, like, right. that's not what pacifism really is. Like, imagine if an entire nation would stand up and just resist nonviolently. Right. This happened. This yeah. happened in the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King was the, junior, was the leader of, of a nonviolent resistance. Mm-hmm. And that there's, st- we're still feeling the effects of that. And we still need to do a better job with, with not having racism in our nation. But that's such a great example of, of what, true Mennonite pacifism really looks like. So what do you think? Am I off my rocker? Do no, you like that was it? Good. Do you want to be a Mennonite now? <laughs> I don't want to join the MB just yet, but I will say that was a great job of explaining what's going on here. I think this is what's so beautiful too. You know, we read these verses and we take them in a vacuum and we're like, oh, Jesus has turned the other cheek. And people walk away thinking, well, does that mean people are going to walk all over us? Mm-hmm. And that just feels, especially to guys, you know, I think one of the, the, you know, try to keep guys engaged in Jesus-centered living. But you read something like this and you go, well, that's just kind of soft, isn't it? You mm. expect people to walk all over me? It's not exa- at all what Jesus is talking about. I think you think he did a great job of explaining. Jesus is talking about our hard attitude. And our hard attitude is you don't need to get retribution because I'm going to get retribution. Mm. So instead, don't be a stumbling block for somebody by retaliating and punching them in the face. Instead reveal their own sin and shame, right? Mm-hmm. So you're right. Well, you, you turn the other cheek because now they're going to have to open hand slap you. They realize now like, wow, I really disrespected this person. Mm-hmm. And they're the one that feels the shame. If you would punch them in the face after they slap you backhanded, all of a sudden now it's escalated. You're equally at fault. So there's the hard attitude there. Yeah. You know, you think about that idea, like someone wants to take your coat. Here, take my coat. What do I need? I got, God, God's going to take care of me. And it exposes their shame, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wow, you are really low. And, you know, you're going to sue this person for their last bit of clothing. Like, what a low person you are. Yeah. What, one of my favorite phrases that Paul uses around this, uh, you know, similar topic is he talks about letting, like, don't take vengeance. Like, God will mm-hmm. avenge. Uh, instead, uh, he talks about in Romans, I think it's 9 or 10 or 11, somewhere in there. Yeah, heaping coals on their yeah, head. Heap, right? it, yeah. By doing this, you heap coals on their head. Yeah. So this is my favorite story. Um, and it's from a Swiss Mennonite back in, like, the 17th century. Uh, he... Uh, he he was preaching. There were some some youths 
in his town who came and started undoing his thatched roof. Like they were going to just, you know, oh, let's let's test this guy and see if he's really going to, you know, uh, resist us. If we do something violent to him, maybe he'll he'll do something violent back to us. Like, let, let's go and see. And so they start undoing his thatched roof and he wakes up in in the middle of the night and he, he tells his wife uh, to start making breakfast because the workers are here. And he goes out and talks to them, invites them in for food. And these kids are like, uh, wait, well, we're destroying your roof, bro. Don't you want to do something else? And he's like, nope. And, uh, and, and then he, they, they ate together. And during the prayer for the meal, these, these youths, these kids just started like breaking down wow. in, in pure, like yeah. what in the world are we doing? Like it, it was a chance for them to, to stop and repent and realize what, what they were experiencing, the, what they're doing. Their sin. Yeah. yeah and, and that's heaping coals on your head. Like when you serve a criminal in your home, who, like I've imagined this scenario, like if a criminal breaks into my house, I'm going to make sure that, that my wife and daughter are fine, that they don't mm-hmm. get hurt first. Uh, uh, but then I, I'm going to try and like, dude, what do you want? Like, do you want some cash here? Do you want some, uh, can I make some eggs for you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I make really good eggs over, over hard. <laughs> yeah. You want some eggs? Yeah. Uh, like, and I, I know that that's kind of seems like a, a silly scenario, but realistically th- those are things that, that we as Christians should think about yeah. when we're in this scenario where someone does wrong to us, what is our response? Because Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, it, it's not the way of the world. Right. It is not Now, I do think to clarify, you know, if somebody's listening to this, you know, if somebody breaks into your house to harm your family, Jesus is no way saying, let them walk all over you. Yeah, right? I, I, I think, th- and that's where I might differ from some of my, my very conservative Mennonite pacifists in that it's pretty evident who the wrong person is here. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit around waiting for God to judge this person. I can be a tool yeah. of God's justice in right, that moment. Right, In this moment, I'm grabbing the 12 gauge, yeah. you know. I mean, um, I, so I don't have a gun. I'm sure, r- sure. probably not going to shoot this guy. But that, that's, but, that's our difference. But you may have a Louisville slugger that you can, you know, I, I take don't it. play baseball though. I have a golf club. <laughs> golf club. Yeah. yeah just t- knock him out with the golf club, <laughs> tie him up and then make him some eggs. Yeah. As the yeah. cops are on, are on their way. <laughs> but I, well, I just love this sermon and we could talk about this for forever. Um, cause it's good, such a good sermon, but I just think, you know, Jesus is talking about in here, what does it look like to follow me? Mm-hmm. And then how does it look like to influence other people by living this way? And then ultimately, you know, we have to make the decision to follow Jesus. And he talked and he ends the Sermon on the Mount, which I know Ron didn't have time to get to this, but it, you know, one of my favorites and, uh, you know, it's, and, and of course I love in the middle of it, he talks about how to pray, right? Like he gives us yeah, the, the Lord's prayers picture of how to pray. And you know, he talks about judging others, right? Like you got to take care of our own sin before you judge other sin, the golden rule, treat others like you would be treated. I mean, it's so beautiful, mm-hmm. but then he talks about the very last thing in the sermon is, you know, uh, Matthew seven twenty four. you know, what are you building your house on? You have to mm-hmm. choose. You're going to build it on the sand. You're going to build it on the rock. And I think that's what he's getting to is build your house on the rock. Well, Jesus, who's the rock? It's Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Build your house, build your life on Jesus, and you will learn to be able to do these things. Yeah, it's wisdom. Exactly. Yeah. And as you gain wisdom, and as the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out, then you can be complete, right? Not perfect like when we think of perfect, right? But like you said earlier, teleos. Mm-hmm. We can be whole, and we can be complete. And yeah. so it's this beautiful picture of what it looks like to truly follow Jesus and have him sanctify you over the course of your life. Well, it's it's been a pleasure. Hopefully, it hasn't been too deep without our, our moderator to keep us <laughs> out of the theological clouds. I don't think we went down too many rabbit trails. Well, we don't think so, but who knows? Maybe Rob's the one that takes us down the rabbit trail. Uh, yeah, let's blame him yeah. for these things since he's not here. <laughs> 
Last time we, we made fun of you, so this time we can make fun yeah. of Rob. But Next time you're going to miss and we'll make fun of you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if, if you have any questions, please email us, life at forefrontchurch.tv. Or if you have questions, you can write them down on the connection card and put them in uh, the boxes at the back of our sanctuary slash worship center slash whatever we want to call it. Yeah, whatever it is. The place where we gather the on place. Sunday mornings. Yeah. The place of the worship. Place. Yeah. All right. It's been a pleasure, everyone. I'll see you next time. Thanks. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.